0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 55th episode of the Manor podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, I'm now qualified for nationals and we get to play in nationals together. Are you excited?
1: Yeah, we get to go play a new new CC format. We get to go draft some Monarch. I know you're ecstatic about drafting, but I am excited. And I don't think... I don't think Vegas is my favorite city to go to, but at least I'll see a lot of cool people and have a good time playing Flesh and Blood. So, hear How me about out. You?
0: Hear me out. Let's go for the whole month of August. Then we'll go early, and we'll compete in Evo and the new Street Fighter Six. We'll just register. We 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 got we got a whole two months to train up for Evo. If you can even open under like general things, but I think you can. probably not but i think you have to be invited but in case you can we'll go early and we'll go you can become the street fighter world champion does that sound good uh
1: i if i'm going to become a street fighter world champion it's gonna take a lot more than two months i am at the bottom of bronze i'm trying my best using (laughs) these modern controls doing some punches still can't get my short you can inputs correct i'm having a good time it's lots of fun but uh yeah i don't think i i don't think i'm gonna be playing it competitively uh or At least, I shouldn't say not playing competitively because that's like, I am playing it as a casual competitive person. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I do not expect to be competing at any high levels of that game anytime soon, if ever. But I'm having a good time. That's what matters. I'm glad you're
0: enjoying it. uh, I've liked Street Fighter for a long time, so I'm happy to share the Street Fighter love and uh, I'm playing on regular boomer controls on my regular boomer Ryu just like I said I would and get to do the the cross-ups and the Shoryukens and the hadoukens and I'm just right at home. Mm-hmm. I was always more of a smash but anyways,
1: guy but someday we'll get to do smash maybe.
0: I'm just not good at I've never been good at Super Smash Brothers like I don't know what it is about that game. I don't know if it's just like too frantic I guess like I think the floatiness of the characters and the aerials being so important, just like add another dimension to the game. Cause like street fighter, it's just like very like compacted. It's a 2d, very tight focused input based game. Whereas smash brothers, obviously the, the inputs don't matter. Your character just does a thing with a button. Um, I don't know. What? It's just never been something <laughs> I've been particularly good at. Just like the. You just hit down B, up B, right B, left B.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your inputs still matter. And like, you have like small windows for buffering things for like moves that follow up with other moves. But like, it is definitely much easier to have your character do what you're trying to do in Smash Bros. and It's in Street Fighter, which arguably a good thing. But. Anyway, (laughs) flesh and blood.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that other game that we care about, I guess. <laughs> um what were we
1: talking about this week so we're not going oh this week uh we want to talk about the living legend system how it's doing old time just hit living legend after michael won the pro tour and then briar is maybe living Legended. hopefully people know by the time this podcast goes live but currently we're like kind of up in the air she had 998 is she a thousand you had your tweet she, you she was at 99.99 <laughs> nine, nine repeating and i don't i don't think i don't think that's a i guess like that is Basically a thousand, but math, but yeah, I don't think there's any way to get have of
0: six, nine, six, nine. I should have put (laughs) 99.69 repeating. Of course nice. I punted, Mm
1: -hmm. but I don't think there's any way to get fraction of points right now. Although I don't, I still am not sold on the winner takes all kind of system it has right now. Yeah. Let's talk about that
0: first. So do you think. Um, the living legend system as a whole for the progression of heroes moving into it is kind of like serving its function as a way to balance, not balance out because it's not supposed to be a balancing mechanic, but like reward the heroes that are performing well and move them towards this rotation out of Classic Instructed.
1: So, yeah, I I do prefer the Living Legend structure to just, like, having to constantly ban things to keep the old decks and the powerful decks in line with what is new and fresh. I think, like, I'd rather Chain, Starvo, Prism, just Living Legend go away rather than us keep dealing with them and they keep nerfing cards and we see Prism for forever. We see Luminaris forever. We see Arclight Sentinel forever. I think it's good that, like, when uh, heroes are, like, progressively like doing really well in the tournaments, really well in the metagame that eventually they're just leaving. And I would say that it has kind of accomplished that goal. And I don't think that like the winner takes all, I guess like Lexi has less points that, or got less points from the pro tour and the calling than I feel like she should have. But I think that the, it is working as intended. That's fair.
0: Yeah. Um, I think just the little interactions that happened over the weekend where people were specifically scooping to briar and playing briar in the finals and then as opposed to like the results of flesh and blood matches determining who gets living legend points it's kind of like people metagaming the system a little bit and Mm -hmm. that just doesn't sit perfectly well with me it's not like the worst thing in the world it's not like i'm like the integrity of the game's ruined i can't it's just like it's just a small thing that I think could be improved. But overall, um, like you said at the Pro Tour, like Lexi was half of the top eight, and Lexi's did win the most Living Legend points out of any hero. Uh, for as much as people were complaining about Oldheim this whole time or at people dislike Oldheim, I think Lexi had twice as many Living Legend points as Oldheim the last time I checked. I don't know what the next week's numbers were, but that was Murder national was sitting at last week. Yeah. I think Oldheim was at like 50 or 60 and she was at like 110, 120 or something like that, somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, And ultimately, I just think there's going to be an issue if they don't start awarding points to top eight heroes and kind of, rotating out kind of like a core group of 20 to 25 heroes, I think is kind of their goal because otherwise let's say they come out with a new wind ninja. So then you have a draconic ninja, a wind ninja, Uh, to keep in the format. And then let's say there's a third talented ninja. So basically for each talent and class stratification that they do, if their commitment is to always keep a hero of those types available in uh, Classic Instructed, eventually that's going to be untenable. So Mm -hmm. you're going to need more heroes to rotate out than what we're currently sitting at. And I also think that um, heroes should be rewarded based on their overall meta performance with living legend points as opposed to just what happens in the result of three matches in a top eight where i still think the majority the line share of the points uh to the should go to the winning hero but i think you know top eight should award at least a couple of points like how is top eighting a pro tour not equivalent to winning at least an rtn like which one of those is uh, more of a accomplishment of a living legend points like that's not not to knock anybody who plays Road to nationals but i mean pro tours worlds these high level events they're the most difficult events in the world and heroes that do well in those events kind of become legendary in their own right
1: yeah and like i guess kind of going back if you look at an event like the calling indianapolis when there were five old times in the top eight old time got zero living legend points and that's that one like really stuck out to me because like Oldheim was kind of like the talk of that that tournament. There were five copies in the top eight, and it's a lot. And everyone was talking about the fatigue, the fatigue oldheim being a real deck and stuff. And like the deck performed really well and didn't didn't get any living legend points then. Just like Lexi didn't get any living legend points from Pro Tour weekend, despite being four of the top eight of the Pro Tour. And I think it was less represented in the calling top eight, but more than zero
0: mm-hmm
1: yeah dave top eight at the calling right uh dave played old huh? an old him yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah or are you yeah. talking about lexi then at that point
1: yeah yeah lexi oh, okay sorry lexi yeah. was more represented and lexi was more represented in the pro tour than the calling but there was still at least one lexi in the top eight of the calling i think maybe two
0: yeah, um, and I don't think you have to offer the same amount of living legend points for topping a Rota nationals either, but just one, like a single point. And if you wanted to, like, you could even adjust the threshold slightly up to the like the overall system for how many points it takes to living legend. The point is that the system doesn't have to be static, and they've already changed the living legend system once, right? I remember that was like yeah, right so after originally.
1: First Originally, heroes still needed a thousand points. I think they've made two kind of big changes to it. So one of them is that heroes' weapons rotate with the heroes because, like, if Prism mm. rotates, but the new Light Illusionist hero still gets Luminaris, it's the same hero. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly the same, but like, That's the difference Luminaris is like more Prism's identity than her hero power. I'm pretty sure. And then, um, yeah, absolutely. The other thing they changed was. Uh, events used to give like I think Road to Nationals and ProQuest used to give like eight or six points, and they they cut it down to two because there's just so many more ProQuest and Road to Nationals now than there were when they first implemented the system, and that's like going to keep happening. Assuming the game grows, they'll have to keep reducing the numbers. So like, or raise the threshold.
0: I've, you can keep the yeah, or, heroes that are Living Legend in that old Living Legend bucket category, like whatever they you just call them like what's the word i'm looking for uh grandfathered antique system living legend and then just modernize every other hero's living legend system you know after a certain point in time
1: yeah i I think if they really just wanted to um change it they could just multiply all the points that everybody has and by the same amount they're increasing the thing like, if you make everything, everyone have five times as many points they have, and you need 5,000 points instead of 1,000 points of Living Legend, that wouldn't be, like, that hard to do. It's like, a, a stock split, but for Living Legend points, a Living Legend split. Sure.
0: I guess that <laughs> is reasonable. It just sounds weird to me, but I guess uh, sounding weird and being weird aren't necessarily the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But, yeah, at, at some point, if the game keeps growing, like... Or to, next they can reduce road to nationals and progress to being worth one for the winner. And then like, you can't really go smaller than one unless you're introducing fractions of a points. And I guess that also could be, then we get to 99.999 points. We did it. <laughs> yeah, you could get like 0. 0.5 for winning. And then like, if you want to give points out to the top eight or top four or something, um, without increasing the total amount of points given out, then you kind of either need to use fractions of points or just, significantly increase how many points you need a living legend
0: mm-hmm. and so that being said this year's also weird from like a t- living legend point standpoint because there's just hundreds of less points now available over the course of this year because there's only one pro tour and you know if there was no second pro tour this year then Briar would have a hundred less living legend points. Like if there was only one pro tour a year, Pablo wins the first pro tour last year on chain, there's no second pro tour. Briar's mm-hmm. still sticking around for a whole nother year. So especially if they go back to two, and maybe if flesh and blood gets big enough and they go to like a quarterly release schedule kind of kick it all the way up to the cycle that magic the gathering was with three pro tours and a world, you know, if they keep, or, you know, what else other people are really you know hoping for in the future ourselves included is more callings that's going to also mm-hmm. increase the amount of living legend points available to, to heroes so the system Unless half of them are limited. is gonna yeah the <laughs> system is uh... uh there's no way it's going to be half of them limited but, but anyways um the system <laughs> is going to need to be updated at certain, some point in time so i'm we just wanted to give our thoughts and opinions about wh- where it currently stands and what are our hopes for are for it going uh, forward.
1: Do you want to continue talking about the the splitting points for top eight? Because I do have a couple things that like Go for are it, kind buddy. of worst about it i guess the biggest thing i'm thinking is they have that really nice article they post what each hero living legends where it's like here is what everyone did with this hero and they got the names of all the pro quest winners and all the bigger event winners and it's like kind of cool to be like cemented in that hero's history and it becomes a lot clunkier to do that if you have to include everyone that like top aided an rtn with the hero because if you get like half a point for top aiding an rtn or something but i i don't know maybe that would be fine still yeah i don't think that
0: i don't think it would be just adding a few more names to a list doesn't sound like that big of a deal to me. You, you don't have to... Roughly,
1: roughly eight times as many names. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I don't think that's going to be... I don't think names on a website is a reason to not change your system, I guess.
1: Fair. fair. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: you said you had another point, though. What else you got? What other points can I knock down?
1: Yeah, I forgot when you... I forgot when you instantly refuted me what my other point was and I didn't take a note or anything. So, uh, there we, that's, I guess I'm ready to move on. Okay. We'll come back to it. Sure.
0: So even if Briar's not living legend four heroes in the living legend format, potentially five, do you think the format is good to go with the four or five heroes in it now? Do you think we could be playing the living legend format at worlds for example?
1: um so I think that the format right or with the the heroes including if briar's in there we're gonna have the classic triangle of guardian versus illusionist versus runeblade and <laughs> I think it'll be a while before that changes though so like holding off until we get a hero that's not one of those three classes when those are the classes that have historically just been doing the best by far I think it's I think it makes sense to um, just like start running the the format. I know, oh gosh, I think it was James White that was talking about it. Someone from LSS was saying that like the plan was to start with it as like side events at tournaments, and then like it's not going to be like a calling right away. It's going to be like a side event, and then it'll grow if like there's demand for it, basically. And I think, I think with five heroes in it, even though Oldheim might be kind of hard to play when Bravo's almost almost certainly better. Almost strictly better, I would even say. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I do think that o- is enough. Oldheim is
0: basically banned for the foreseeable future until they give him like a broken Oldheim specialization or something of that nature, or some very specific reason why his defensive reaction would be uh, super important. But I can't think of a single thing that Oldheim does that Starvo just
1: can't do better, and with a even wider card pool. So, I don't know. I, I do think I do think Oldheim's slightly better at fatigue chain, just because if your game plan going into hits to fatigue a chain, then Oldheim's just like... Is it? The defense reaction is relevant. But uh, that's... yeah. I, assuming I, I you're fatiguing to... through
0: blocking, but if you're fatiguing through mm-hmm. damage or forcing your opponent to block or interactions and attacks, Sarvo is the way to go. And that's usually the... At least up until this point in Flesh and Blood, it's the more tried-and-true method of fatiguing. I guess it's different with chain, but
1: still. Yeah, there's a, there's been a lot of success against chain just by like blocking and fatiguing by blocking because like the hero has the tools generally to beat that, but it's really hard to to implement. Is that the right word?
0: Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm just snacked. I don't know. Dubious that oldheim earth reacting or ice reacting for one extra card or two damage is going to be the difference between make or break in that matchup, but who knows?
1: Yeah, I, I think the biggest reason is if you're fatiguing by blocking, it's easier to include three copies of Blizzard in your oldheim deck where like their floor is ice reacting.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And to be fair, Chain still has Carry and Husk floating around, so on the turn that he needs to just block out a big dumb starbo attack, he can do that pretty happily, anyways. So, mm-hmm. thanks, carrion and Husk.
1: Yeah it's a good, card. good card
0: but i guess we talked about why would you ever play oldheim over star why would you ever play briar over
1: chain so depending on which version of briar we get in living legend i assume it's the eroded version where you don't get a stack multiple embodiments because that would be really weird if it went back to the old version of briar especially if they printed but the new the-
0: text on cards and stuff right
1: yeah, so so Prism does I think Prism probably has a better matchup into Chain than she does in a Briar where she can kind of threaten to fatigue the chain and she has like not really a great plan against Briar, just kind of like get got a little bit. Um and then Briar with access to ball lightning. We'll go back to seeing the lightning briars that we saw where like those decks were like doing reasonably into chain. I guess they still only get one embodiment, which makes it worse. But oh no! Now I'm realizing. Yeah, ball lightning. We'll ball lightning all the, all and thunder.
0: Horrible ball lightning interactions. Because I still don't even remember the interaction with ball lightning and spectral shield. It's, it's pretty- uh,
1: the active player chooses.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's, it still goes over the one through the spectral shield. Yep.
1: Yep. So if you ball lightning for for with a blue ball lightning and prism has one spectral shield and uh, if the prism plate says no blocks then the ball lightning player assigns the replacement effects first and they choose that the ball lightning will deal one extra damage and then the spectral shield absorbs one and then Prism takes one.
0: Yeah. But I guess that's another point against Oldheim, though, because then if Briar gets Sting, Sting, Ball, Ball, Ball back, I mean, like, Oldheim can never beat that, so... <sighs> Even more of a reason why he's just unplayable, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. 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 <laughs> One day, one day I'll let that meme die,
1: but that is not, that day is not today. <laughs> today is not the day. Yeah, It's a it's, good meme. It's it's crazy how fast Old Time Living Legend, after losing his hammer, I thought he was going to be so bad. Yeah, well, yeah, it turns out he was better than D tier.
0: Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? And <laughs> yeah, it turns out him just being strictly better Bravo was still a completely fine place to him for him to be in the meta.
1: He doesn't get Crippling Crush, though.
0: He gets Endless Winter. He gets more blue three-block poppers. Like, six more.
1: Yeah. Which matters a lot now. Mm-hmm. Is it six more, or is it just three more?
0: I know it's Mulch. Oh, yeah, and then... Uh, mulch and Glacial Footsteps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So six more. Yeah. those matter a lot, especially in my That's why... Uh, I think as Bravo, I've kind of struggled into the draw my matchup and I was just like, Oh, I get six more poppers at Oldheim, I guess I'm in. I'm like, sure.
1: Yeah, it also just makes your zealous and rouse more consistent. If you're trying to play an anathos version of Oldheim, you your zealous and rouses are like really important and having more big blue attacks is real good for zealous and rouse. Yeah. And
0: I don't think we'll ever see a helmet as good as Crown of Seeds, but Bravo also just needs other things to spend resources on consistently. We've talked about this quite a bit, where if you're just pitching a card to Rampart, it's not really very card efficient. And putting in lots of cards that are like peace of minds or staunch responses and stuff like that, it's not super efficient in and of itself as well, because if your opponent's not attacking you and you're not able to use those defensive resources efficiently, then... Um, your hand kind of falls apart pretty quickly and then you're not maximizing your hand's value, which gives you your opponent time to catch up. It just turns into this whole thing. So you just need more consistent ways through equipment to spend resources to make it efficient. And Bravo obviously doesn't have it at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, poor Bravo. Or
0: Stalagmite. You get Steelblade Buckler though. I almost registered that. Car- I did register that card at a Realm Event
1: yeah, it's crazy how playable Steel Blade Buckler is and like Slagmite's so much better. Yeah, it turns out just having three extra life what or three extra
0: block on equipment is real good. hmm It's a good thing Grasp of the arc Knight blocks for three.
1: So, you know. Yep. Yep. Part of why the Rune Blades are so good, right? hmm And I think that's like honestly a big part of why we've seen two Rune Blades, Living Legend, and we haven't seen any other aggro decks is like just having equipment that blocks really well. Like Grasp of the arc Knight, for a while they had uh, Blood Sheaf Skeleton. Yeah, if Skeleton was then, still legal, I mean, uh, we would
0: have all three, we would have no Rune Blades legal in Class to Construct at this mo- at this point in time if, if Skeleton was still around. Like, there just wouldn't be a Rune Blade class in Class to Construct at this point.
1: <laughs> we're, we're getting a new one in a month or two. True. Sure, yeah. I'm saying right
0: right this second, though. Like, if, if they had never <laughs> yeah, banned Skeleta, yeah, 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 yeah. right would have lived Living Legend a long time ago.
1: Yeah, so I guess that also is another small reason to play Briar in uh, Living Legend is you get Skeleta. So you have three block on your chest piece now, whereas, like, you don't have to play Tunic or Iron Weave. Yeah,
0: I was thinking then if you also just wanted... And to chain specifically, if you wanted to, you could just play, um, vexing quill hand plus skeleton. Cause that's just a very powerful, like two piece of equipment interaction. You get the two damage from the rune chance plus, uh, four total resources. Um, but if you're a Redline line mm-hmm. briar, I don't know if you'll need the reduction as much. Cause if all of your cards cost zero, who cares if they cost two less, but I don't know.
1: It's hard to say. Yeah. I th- I think even ignoring the the resource part of the curve, or part of the card, it's just like there are spots where like it's better than Iron Wave and better than Tunic in a decent amount of matchups. Yeah, absolutely. Just You want to be able to block these on-hits, and especially uh, with Plunder Run existing in the format, you're going to be needing some block on your equipment.
0: But how are these decks... None of these decks can ever deal more... De- Drone of Brutality is going to be legal in the format, Michael. They're just going to get fatigued out it's going to be old time with drone brutality it's going to be broken none of the, i forgot none of these decks could ever ever hope to win because of drone brutality of old time just gets to block for two endlessly how
1: how can they how can they win <laughs> uh so i think drone brutality actually weirdly is a better tool against fatigue than it is in fatigue because like spending zero cards to attack for six is a pretty good way to beat fatigue we see like sledge be really relevant in the old high mirrors where they're just like sledging each other because the games go to fatigue well like if every hero gets to play two copies or three copies of red drone of brutality probably just two copies you don't really need a third then like you just have your own sledge you just two cards six them like you can't it's worse with tunic but when you're a deck that like is a functional aggressive deck before that point of the game and then at that point of the game you can loop your your drone of brutalities it it's kind of like the evergreen Root, too, I guess Right? it's a two for six that blocks two, two resources to attack for. Six. I could see yeah. playing
0: one red, one yellow this way you can block with like a yellow. If you need it to shuffle, put it back into the bottom and then like, you still have, you could still use it as a resource card as well.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I, I would be inclined that you'd play one red or to think you'd play one red, maybe multiple copies of it, but yeah, I guess I, I would think fair. the red would be better, but I don't know because I don't know yellow cards kind of well, suck yeah. we got it we got to
0: figure this out man we got to figure out our drone of brutality old time deck
1: no we're not flying drone in old time yeah if I mean, you're like, trying to be if hard you play to drone of brutality drone
0: in old time you also fix your worst matchup in prism because you just have more poppers you know that was what made the matchup so bad old time didn't have enough poppers for the heralds right <laughs> no no <laughs>
1: No, it was not. What was the problem then? Luminaris.
0: Uh, Luminaris. I guess well, even
1: Iris, Iris Prism, people say, was really good in old time. So it's just like... Yeah, it's just the aura. The fact that every blue converts... Yeah, just auras that you can't kill and a weapon that makes auras quite good at killing your opponent. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I guess that on that note, where do you see Prism fitting in in this whole crazy world? Because people are going to play her regardless if she's good or not. You know, you know, Fino Black's going to register Prism at every Living Legend tournament from now until the rest of time.
1: Yeah. So I think right now, Prism certainly makes it even worse to pick Old Time if you were thinking about registering Old Time. And then her matchup into Starvo is generally considered to be at least slightly Prism favored, even if he gets Awakening back. It's still like, Arclight Sentinel is very good. The auras are very good. Starvo doesn't struggle as much as Old Time does against these auras, but like they're still very good against him. So I think she does a good job at making sure the format isn't like all Starvo. And I think she has a real shot at fatiguing Chain and will make the. If you want to win a tournament as Chain in Living Legend format, you'll have to get a lot of practice into Fatigue Prism because that matchup's like difficult to pilot. Yeah,
0: I guess. Uh, that being said, you know when Starbro was at his peak, Chain on Pablo Pintor or Pablo Pintor on Chain won the Pro Tour. So I mean, like hmm. between you and me, nobody else listening, um, I think Chain is like the best deck by a huge margin. Because yeah. like I don't know, it, it's just like a, a huge a, margin. It, it, have you have you re- ever read his well, hero ability? Have you ever have you seen what at that pro tour, hero Ability does
1: it's very good. At that at that Pro Tour, Autumn's Touch and Awakening were both banned, so I think Starvo was a little handicapped. And I forgot about the Autumn's Touch. Chain, ban. I guess Chain didn't have Seeds or Plunder Run either, yeah. but <laughs> um, it's a lot easier to threaten to fatigue Chain when you have Autumn's Touch because you play nine copies of the card, probably at least six, probably nine. So.
0: I don't know, man. I, he's just a broken hero. I don't know what else but, to tell you. I'll, I'd say the story all the time. Chain is. Like we learned how to play in Monarch. We looked at the three heroes in Chain. And we both were like that Chain. Chains a broken hero. We knew nothing else about the game other than Chain <laughs> was just broken. <laughs> like it was just very apparent from days. Yeah, I like, gave him Rosetta Thorn. Yeah. So. <laughs> And that's not to talk yeah, about that was, that was any fun. of the new tools that he's could have picked up from any of these new sets as well. Like maybe Chain starts playing that new um the blue three block that makes it so defense reactions can't be played or something like that. Like there's these other Oh, uh, defense
1: reactions that have the name of another thing in the discard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's a blue three block. There are worse cards for him to play. He gets a little minnowism back, so
1: does uh Briar. So I keep forgetting that card's yeah, banned. That's so is. weird. But
0: yeah, I, I think between Plunder Run and all the Cavalcade of Seeds, it's just like Chain's going to be the best deck by a mile. And on that note, do you think any card should be banned? In, how How should they balance the Living Legend format if something does become
1: too problematic? So that's a tricky one because I think like part of the appeal to having this like eternal format is that you can play with all of your cards, except like things like go bananas, (laughs) like, and I guess specializations of heroes that haven't living legend did, but for the most part, you can play with any card, especially the cards that you might not be able to play in class constructed. And I think ideally that would stay consistent. It's just like what happens if the metagame does get really stagnant where like, I guess like the limited hero pool already is going to lead to being kind of stagnant, but if chain is the best deck by miles and no one can beat him, then like what happens? Eventually Icelander will live a living legend and she has a good chain matchup, right? Yeah. We've
0: uh, at least reasonable. It's, it's, it's reasonable. Uh, I'm sure a world champion caliber. Icelander maybe could have done better into the chain matchup than I did, but yeah, I had that, uh, chain v Icelander because we were just shit talking, uh, like Indianapolis, uh, calling and Pete was sitting there after he was on a podcast and uh, he was like, yeah, I think Chain is the most broken hero and he's going to dominate Living Legend for him. And I was like, no, once Icelander gets there, Icelander could totally beat up Chain. And then we made that charity bet. And then Chain has a lot more tools through disruption in Icelander and hypothermia than I gave him credit for. So lesson learned. And from that day forward, I was just like, yeah. yes, I, I, I don't. I, Chain is broken 100%. No questions asked.
1: I, I still think Isenar is, is uh, pretty solid in the chain, but I think it might be a while before we see her getting out of uh, class construction. I think, I don't know.
0: Well, you're might, just, right, you're right, just, right. just not going to play her, her in any more while. tournaments, basically? That's your, that's your plan to keep her
1: around? I mean, Prism's coming back. It's like a 100-0 matchup. You thought Oldheimer's Prism was bad. Have I mean, you played Icelander in the Prism.
0: Yeah, all this ward stuff floating around is boating. Not great for wizards. I wonder if they'll print like an effect... Because there's that new card. They're printing more cards that are like damage can't be prevented if under X conditions or something like that, or the new warrior attack reactions where damage can't be prevented. I wonder if they'll ever... No, it would be too good. Like an arcane spell or something like that, even if it costs like three or something like that, arcane damage can't be prevented this turn. It'd probably be too good because then even Null Rune wouldn't work anymore, right? Null Rune, Spell Void, all that stuff just would be useless that turn, I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think what they could do, I think if they want to explore that space, they could have something like a Gloves that basically you... You pay a resource in the first time a damage would be prevented this turn. It's not prevented, or if, and but you have to do it like proactively instead of attack reaction. Some something but, similar to Vanguard or Vambrace. anti null before arcane damage. I think that would be reasonable. Yeah, yeah. So like you have to commit really? to it beforehand. You have to commit to it beforehand. But like if the gloves are reusable, that that leaves them in an interesting spot where like they're worse than nodes pump in a lot of spots because if your opponent is not arcane Barrier, you'd rather just have plus one damage than you'd rather. Spend a resource for round one, but if your opponent's not arcane barriering, uh sorry, so they're worse than nodes in that spot. But if your opponent is arcane barriering, the fact that they're reusable does make it kind of interesting. I can see that leading to like kind of problematic play patterns, but it is something they could explore. I don't know
0: how that would work in the real context of the rules, just thinking about it, because the damage thing makes sense because there has to be a prevention effect happening before damage resolution but no rune happens Mm -hmm. on the resolution of the arcane damage so like how do you say while the damage is resolving i'm negating your negation of the resolving
1: well or you just say during damage resolution uh yeah you you have to use it proactively so it'd be like an action with go again rather than an instant okay is my idea, or an instant that doesn't, or an instant like you still have to use it during the instant speed window, whether it's an instant or an action with go again. Probably it'd be an instant because the action is kind of weird. Because if it's an action, then you can't use it on your opponent's turn. That's kind of wizard's whole thing, but yeah, I can see it being an action still. I, I guess like that's actually an interesting way to balance it too. Is if it's an action, because if you're trying to deal damage on your to your opponent on their turn, they already have less counterplay because they have to spend their cards and then you just get to choose to do your thing. So I don't know. Card design interesting spots, but Yeah. We'll see. We're not getting any wizard cards to set. Yeah, we are. Or I guess we we, we are. We well, aren't getting a new Kano and Icelander uh, specialization. We could, we could never mind. Probably, more than likely. If ever, assuming that every hero is
0: gonna get a specialization, you
1: know, An attack that you can cast from your arsenal. So you can codex back some attack that is actually I, a I, I, I exist, blue ice card. That
0: exists. It's called down and dirty.
1: No, 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 no. That's, that's a bad one, though. A box for two. I don't want two points of value off the codex. I need to give him a frostbite and deal some damage and activate my waning moon after they codex me.
0: I wonder no? if they'll ever come okay. out with modal cards. Like, it's... They do. We have Art We have Enlightened Strike. No, I mean, like, car- yeah, like cards that are attacks and non-attack actions, like split cards. You know? Like, in Magic the Gathering, there were the ones that were, like, instants and in sorceries or they're, like they had two they were like two different cards on one card that would be interesting but then i guess those cards also became more and more problematic as the game went on as well but it's something
1: interesting to think about yeah having having two different card types on your same card makes things kind of a pain for like understanding what cards interact with them if a card interacts with a an instant in your discard pile and you have this attack action slash instant card does it interact with it mm. that's like something that like led to some really weird rulings and magic i thinking of torrential gear hulk plus commit memory is the one that comes that's to mind but no, it's... <laughs> uh, the,
0: the one deck i but ever anyway, I for it. our non
1: for our non magic uh audience i think if they do i guess also for any audience for th- if they do look at doing something like that where they're like combining cards to have multiple effects. It would, I would more expect it to see like an alternate cost with an alternate effect without actually changing the card type.
0: So like, uh, it's so like, the here's story. your two block attack action, but from, you can pay uh, the Oco set. You know, adventures? yeah, no, not, not adventures from, uh, there's a storybook one. It was right after Modern Horizons two, right before the pandemic.
1: Yeah, it was adventures because you would cast your creature as a spell. Oh, the the, the mechanic was called afterwards. adventure. Okay,
0: okay, okay, I was like the set's not called adventures, Michael. But yeah, the mechanic is called adventure, oh. so like a me-
1: like like the adventure mechanic. Okay, thank you. More, I was thinking more like if we're still using the magic comparisons, like there's some creature cards that like are like a creature and they do certain things when you play them, but you can also pay X resources and discard them for some effect from your hand. And I'm thinking like or from
0: your graveyard sometimes. We'd well. have
1: like an. Yeah, sure. So we'd have like an attack action that's like some card that does something, and then you could pay two resources and discard it. And your next attack action this turn gets plus four or something.
0: Yeah, because we have the whole blood debt and a lot of cards that you can play or like reuse from the banish zone. But up until Codex, they, they we've seen them be extremely cautious with effects that interact with like getting cards from graveyards and stuff like that. So, but I guess. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess somebody who is working there, if they don't like remembrance because that leads to bad gameplay loops, which is shuffling cards back in, it's probably better to have cards that do something from your graveyard as opposed to putting the cards from your graveyard back in your deck, right?
1: Yeah, something like Spew Shadows, but using cards in your discard instead of your. Banish, though it makes sense to me something where like you just get to play a card from your discard i guess codex of uh, frailty yeah. kind of does that yeah like you were talking about but yeah
0: that's interesting there's so much design space in this game it's crazy i think i just think about it sometimes i'm just like well, i wonder what they're going to come up with like it's 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 kind of exciting
1: yeah they, they built like a really good like foundation for a game where like there's like so many different things they can do with like cards and like doing things. Yeah. And like, there's the whole, I, I there's the whole other a good game. number
0: in the bottom of every hero's tech box of intellect. And it's like, there's so many different ways you can balance that. And we've seen them try. And I think data doll is the only one, right?
1: I think so. I think data doll is the only
0: three intellect hero. Yeah. So like, what would it take to make like a four intellect hero? Like what would hap- What would have to be like Everyone's your downtime or something? Like, hero. Or five intellect hero. I mean,
1: uh, they have to be pretty bad. Well, just drawing a whole extra card every turn—that's that's not enough. Because if e- if each card's worth three points of value on average, then you're just getting plus three every turn. So the game has to go three point one three turns before you've broken even. That's fair. Hm. I don't know. I think starting at ten might be okay.
0: No way. Ten's too low. I I could give you 20 as an adult hero and then
1: 10 as a blitz hero, but I, th- I don't know. I, th- I think if you have 20 health as an adult hero, assuming you get class cards, if you're just only playing generics, that might be good enough because the generic cards kind of suck. The pool's kind of small. Like it's hard to build a deck of 60 good generic cards and getting generic. Equipment. What about but you can't you get, have generic like-
0: cards or you can only have like draconic wizard cards in your deck or something like that. Or like you can only have this very specific combination of cards
1: in your actual deck. So, if you could only have Draconic Wizard cards in your deck, that hero would be atrocious, even if they had a hundred. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, like, something like the Emperor, where they, like, highly limit deck-building options, you can only put reds in your deck with the Emperor. Um, yeah, the, the Emperor should have five Intellect. That's a good point. Uh, I, I think the fact that he has four Intellect, and he gets access to Warrior and Wizard cards, and only gets to play red cards, I think Like, he's not great, but I think if he had 5 Intellect, he'd be broken at 15 health with his card pool. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I would play any game against any Bloods hero if I get 5 Intellect and 15 health as the Emperor.
0: (laughs) You think 5 Intellect is that good?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because like... So not only do you get an additional card of value every turn. You also just have more possible ways to use your hand efficiently each turn, where, like, if you look at a hero like Briar, for example, where, like, you're, like, trying to set up a uh, channel mount heroic plus, like, these zero-cost go-against and you're blocking with extra non-attack actions, just, like, drawing an extra card makes it much more likely you'll keep your things around. Keeping, like, a channel like Frigid in play seems much more likely when you have a full extra card each turn. So, like, what about you're getting this, like... You're getting linear power, and you're also getting uh, the combination of cards that are powerful together, are going to come together more often.
0: Here's a cute cute card, uh, Hero text box I want to get your opinion on. Uh, this hero starts with zero action points at the center of their turn. Once per turn instant, pay some number of resources, gain one action point.
1: Once per turn instant?
0: Yeah, so you can only gain one action. You can gain your first action point per turn, but you have to pay resources for it you
1: have five intellect so assuming this costs two resources because i think at three at three you're basically a four intellect here that has to draw blue every turn or you're losing i guess you do unlock the combination aspect of the the class you're more likely to draw your combination of powerful cards um and you can you at know, two cost defense
0: reactions or more defensive cards a little bit easier
1: oh gosh now this hero just sounds like a complete fatigue hero because how are you ever leaking damage through the hero with five cards oh no i mean you have to give yeah. him no weapon or something They can't have a whale yeah. or a titan sure first, yeah or draw brutality um, there's ways to balance it. To brutality would oh, yeah. actually be good in this
0: um because that was my that was the that was the other lever i was pulling in my mind then is pulling the action point lever putting that down mm-hmm and then conversely, um, like, let's for, say you were a three intellect hero, do you think you could have two, just base two action points per turn?
1: Oh, easily. Yeah, that would, that would be bad. That would still be bad. Having a second action yeah. point is not worth giving up a full card. That's like, yeah. Everyone can play lead the charge red if they really want one more action point for one less card. And it That's even bad. has upside. Sometimes you can block for two and you don't need the action point. Mm-hmm. It, I think like to have enough action points to make up for having less, um, less intellect, I think you might, I think with unlimited action points, I a three intellect hero would probably still be below average if they have normal health, normal card pool. What about like a
0: specialization weapon that's like super above rate? Right?
1: Yeah, that, that that would help if you have a weapon that just
0: like if you a have rock, rock with that no restrictions have where you just pitch yeah, it
1: yeah. blue. <laughs> um, I the, like that we both went there. Yeah, um, that might be enough to make up for it. That would make the hero couldn't really fatigue because they only have three cards to play defense with. They have a broken weapon. So they're trying to figure out how to end the game as quickly as possible because they're just like down a turn every down a card every turn, but they actually don't care about ending the game as quickly as possible. If their weapons above rate, it would be really weird. I don't know how you would build a hero like that. That's like,
0: it sounds like I hit upon I a, a really good design of a hero. You're welcome. You're welcome. LSS. Uh-huh, we
1: uh-huh. it, I guess like the play patterns become kind of bad. I think because your deck becomes all defense reactions and cards that you can pitch to swing your weapon. I don't think that's true. The only other cards you would play is things that have go again. Because if yeah, you're any turn, like you're not swinging Scar. your weapon. Sure, sure. So anytime you're not swinging your weapon, you're just like spewing. So you'd want just good defensive cards and ways to swing your weapon. And then the fact that you have a giant weapon, you fatigue every, you can fatigue every, or threaten to fatigue everybody. And you want and there aren't ideally that many good to, defense ever
0: like options if you're only getting two cards per turn because if you look at like peace of mind oasis respite you don't want those because you don't want cards that cause resources so you really just have Sync Belows and uh fate for scenes that's
1: it yeah you get sinks fates that all you got um probably nine finals i think i think scar would make the deck um and then whatever your class cards are surely there's some good class cards going on i don't know what class this is but yeah yeah Okay. Kinda kind of veered a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about one last thing
0: of design space because it's relevant. How do you feel about the new Unity stuff that's been going around? The rewarding uh blocking uh kind of or blocking matters kind of type effects on cards.
1: Yeah, so I do like the idea of having cards that are better at blocking than just generic three blocks, but worse at blocking than like the four block defense reactions. So like I think Unity is in a nice spot where it's like a three block with unity that gets some bonus if you block with two cards is better than a three block but it's worse than a four block and i think that's i think that's um i think that's good i think i like the idea of cards that are again in that range um i'm not compl- sure i'm sold on the specific implementation because the fact that you have to block with two cards at the same time means these cards are textless against heroes that you're not blocking with two cards for example like if you're playing at Sakatsu, there's I mean, they very saw, few like, times. You, you can you still cast these cards. Points. They have powerful effects. Sure, sure, sure. Their their defense abilities are polarized against heroes that are attacking with big things that don't have dominate. So like against Oldheim or who else plays big attacks? Reinar. These cards are quite good where you're just like throwing two cards in front of their big thing, Dorinthia even. Um, you just throw your two cards in front of their thing, you get your unity trigger. Whereas against the decks that are like going wide, like the Rune Blades and the Ninjas, these cards are not getting that extra defensive value. And I think that might be kind of... That might just be intended, but it feels weird to me that the decks that... (laughs) The decks that you want to block more often against, they're worse against than the decks that are just playing, like, big attacks when you give them extra cards.
0: Yeah, because you're never triggering, like, Unity against Fi. Like, that's just not a thing you would ever do.
1: So Yeah, you might double block a Snatch at the end, but... And at that point, like... Your most
0: of these are plus one or plus plus point five or something like that on the double block so you're only so you're still spewing two to two and a half value
1: on that double block anyways i don't know yeah i, I don't know it's an interesting concept i i do really like the design space of cards that are better than three blocks in defense but worse than like sink blow and scene. i think that's really cool i think that unity is kind of the first time we've seen them do something like that. And I'm excited to see what they do with this kind of space.
0: I wonder if I'll ever see like rune blade cards that are like, if you block with an attack and a non attack action, do a thing. That That's kind of an interesting way to take uh, defensive rune blades, right?
1: Yeah. Like a non attack action that says, if you blocked with an attack action this turn, do a thing. Or even equipment that's like, if you do both of these, you can get, it like gets plus two
0: defense point. until end of turn or something like that.
1: I, yeah I, I don't know i don't know what it should do but yeah it should it just have, have maybe like base space. base zero power
0: like or base zero block if you've flocked with an attack and a non-attack action card this turn it gets plus two block
1: until on a turn yep that that's not, that sounds really strong it could be something like if you block with an attack and a non-attack action create like some kind of token like similar wrong. to briar's embodiments i don't if think the armor wrong. gets the block for two over and over again Assuming that your opponent's going wide, that you get to block a second attack every turn. Well, you can just throw the armor in front of something while it blocks for zero, and I'll still get the trigger. Uh, hmm. I don't know. It's <laughs> interesting. I could see it being one and still being like quite good. So that's fair. I don't know. Especially There's a right? lot of a lot of room to make cards. We're just spitballing some random card ideas. any final thoughts about uh living legend format card design
0: anything else in evo any any final thoughts before i wrap things up then
1: evo uh no i think i'm good i flash and blood's a really cool game there's a lot of design space i think they're i don't know we just talked about card design for a while we just like scratched like a couple different things they could do and there's like a million different things they can do with the game and that's really cool yeah
0: absolutely. Well, with that being said, the next time you're designing your own custom flesh and blood cards, always remember, mind your manners. Thanks for watching.